0: It's a great joy to be with everyone today, discussing One Unbounded Ocean of Consciousness, a big name, a huge reality of life and of being. It really was my joy to share with all of you, and I thank you for being here and participating on Facebook and Instagram. We'll be taking chapter by chapter and discussing these values of knowledge and understanding and answering your questions. So welcome again to this wonderful time together of knowledge and experience of practical values. And this is really a path that we will take for about six days, seven days in this week, going chapter by chapter and thinking together through this book, which can look at the beginning as if it's a philosophical book about life and living. But it's really a story, and it's a story in which the characters, rather than being individuals or human beings, are really aspects of life, and they have tensions between them. And I would really love you to see this book as a story the story of these characters and their importance in our life and importance in your life. What are these characters? They are important ones. They are happiness compared to suffering. They are freedom compared to determinism and inability to make a choice. They are reality compared to illusion. They are values compared to ideals, compared to powers of making the best of our life and how to go, where to go. They are very real, they are our own stories. In fact, this book is about yourself, about myself, about who we are, where we come from, and where we will go. So that's really our story. It's the story of beginning and the story of continuation and evolution, and where does it lead us? And how can we play the game of life if it's a game? How can we manage if we have choice and responsibility? How can we make the best of what we're living and what we're doing? And your questions have been fabulous. Some of them are advanced, which means in the sense of looking at the final solutions, the final end of the joy of the path and finding the ultimate solution, the ultimate answers, which will be answered gradually through the book. So I will reserve them for later and we'll address the questions that deal with chapter one. Chapter one is a chapter of beginning where it all began, and the characters that we talked about are being presented. This character starts with an experience of life where we look around as we are all living today. We are living in a situation of a pandemic, of lockdown, of insecurities, uncertainties about the future, things are changing, things are happening in a tremendously moving way and sometimes leading to pain and suffering and sometimes leading to a sense of loss of understanding, loss of meaning of life and what we are doing. And that is a reality that we live. And this is contrasted with ideas, thoughts that are about happiness and the nature of life being happy, or the nature of life leading us to happiness. And this is one of the main questions that were asked, and they were asked by many of our friends who are attending the Facebook and Instagram. And that is, how come there is suffering if the nature of life is to grow? Again, this is to be resolved through the book but at this point we want to realize something and that is whatever we are experiencing right now or whatever we can experience during a moment of reality is not necessarily itself the nature of life. So there is the nature of life and there is what we are experiencing. So what we experience is a perception It's also a reality that we go through, and it is in a dynamic tension with really what is the purpose of life. Basically, if life is evolving in a direction that is evolutionary, that is in the direction of growth on an individual level and on the social level, then we are flowing with the stream, with the stream of life. And if it is not, then we can find struggle and strain. And therefore we have to find our path so that we can get to the fastest path of evolution, which itself gives us happiness and growth. And that leads to two different perceptions of reality. One is that reality is made out of material aspects, physical aspects, or another one, and that is that life is made out of more spiritual aspects, more mental aspects, more levels of consciousness, levels of awareness and understanding. And that reality of unbounded consciousness, awareness, being on the field of experience is not necessarily leading to the same conclusions as if we take the original understanding that reality is made out of the physical universe, of the physical world. Now, both are there. We cannot negate the existence of one or the other, but we have to realize that we live our life through our awareness. We live our life, of course, through the physical body, But the physical body as we will see in the book is itself an expression of consciousness, an expression of awareness. And therefore the starting point is consciousness. The end point is wholeness of all that is physical and mental at the same time. And that is really the story of how the book takes this apparently hard problem of what are things made of and get us into the realization that what our senses show us, what our intellect might have fathomed and understood is not the ultimate true reality of life. That there is something more profound in that and that if we are established in that and aware of that, then we can understand the process of manifestation and we can understand the reasons why we have what we have, why we encounter what we encounter. And that will be the story that we will go through in the book. Let me take some more of your questions directly. Gloria asks a beautiful question from the United States because in the first chapter, I mentioned how I went through my experience, original experience, and then how I met my Rishi and then how I became responsible or given a big responsibility for this program of Transcendental Meditation and the program of consciousness and giving knowledge about consciousness to the world. So she says, how did you go from seeing Maharishi on TV to being the leader of his movement? And can you talk more about your time with Maharishi? It was a wonderful experience. And then Gloria says at the end, I think you will need to write another book. (laughs) And that is really the true reality. It will be a book, a long book of apprenticeship, of learning. With Marishi, what I have learned is that life is full and there is always a solution to everything that we meet. There is never an obstacle and that life grows in waves and waves of fulfillment. We have to learn from what we go through and we have to have a big vision, a big understanding, broaden our awareness and all the solutions will be there. So my work with him was a work of research, a work of scientists, a scientist researching the relationship between matter and consciousness understanding the reality of life, and trusting what he says, trusting his experience, his knowledge. I have trusted the material level. I put myself in the physical realm. Science is a powerful approach to understanding what is true. It is verifiable, systematic, it leads to results and therefore the scientific method is absolutely great, absolutely wonderful, and it leads to understanding in a more and more clear way the realities of life. There is one thing in science that is missing, and that is the original assumptions. The original assumptions in most scientists, but not all of them, actually most scientists who have come to greater understanding of nature have realized that there is something deeper on the level of life than the material life. But in general, the original assumptions of scientists is that everything comes from matter. This is what our senses tell us. This is what we observe. It is the observation that everything we can touch, everything is changing all the time. Everything is either energy or matter we have tables, we have chairs, we have planets, we have a physical body. That's what we see. That's what is real. That is what is there. And these are there and there we see them. And of course, they exist and we don't deny it. It's not saying this is an illusion. However, what are they made of? And that is the key point with Marishi that everything actually is made out of consciousness. That is a hard hard thing to accept and understand right away because consciousness is something abstract and the other levels of reality are material. And that is where the hard problem of consciousness and matter is turned around from saying how matter creates consciousness to saying how consciousness can create matter. The basic work that I have had the joy to do with Maharishi and the the chance is to connect matter with consciousness and connect the dynamics of consciousness with the dynamics of the material world, with the dynamics of the evolution of matter from what seems to be fields of energy into particles and outer expressions, But on the transition of these levels, there is reverberations of these energies, reverberations which are like sound, and these are available in Veda and Vedic literature, which is the ancient knowledge from where all the yoga and the meditation comes. And I've had the chance to connect these two values based on my scientific research and on the understanding and complete knowledge of Veda that Maharishi has organized. And so this was really a time of research, a time of scientific investigation into the connectedness between the mind and the body. And guided by Maharishi, I found the connection between the dynamics of consciousness and the structure and function of the physiology. This was a lot of time that I spent with Maharishi, besides him training me in different fields and different aspects of life, sending me to teach, to encounter people, to join people in different physical and mental circumstances of creating projects and working on different expansion of the knowledge and teaching it and taking questions intellectually and understanding that. And this is how gradually I grew to understand the true reality of life as I was myself practicing techniques and advanced techniques that he gave me and he trained me in that developed consciousness and made me bigger in my awareness and understanding and led me to a point where unexpected to me, I wasn't even myself expecting, he asked me to take this responsibility on the level of the movement. I have question from Russia about the print book and another question also wanting to know when the book will be available in print form by David and others. And this is coming very soon in English and in many other languages also. There is a question about what is the relationship between joy, happiness, and where they are in the nervous system and different aspects of emotions. And these are really a process rather than a particular part in our nervous system. They are a process which means when we are evolving, when we are growing, when we are having meaning to our life, then we are feeling happiness. And so happiness has these two components, mainly the inner experiencer, that is the person who experiences the situation in life, and also the situations and the physical development on the surface level and how they are leading us to understanding where we are, our role in life, and whether we are growing or not. If we feel we are expanding, we are growing, which means growing in understanding, growing in love, growing in beautiful things that we can create and do and see and have a meaning to our life, then happiness is a process that is experienced and that is involving the entire reality of our being. It's just an indication that we are in the right direction of growth and development. I'm going through uh, some of your questions. What's the difference between the following meaning, this is Dave also asking, between higher states of consciousness, normal states of consciousness, altered states of consciousness. And consciousness is what we have as the basis of our existence and experience of reality. And this experience can be not there during deep sleep, even though deep sleep is normal, Yet, of course, during deep sleep, our body is awake, is experiencing things. It experiences and reacts to cold and hot. So therefore, we can say it's a state of consciousness, but a lower state of consciousness in which our usual awareness is not there, but the body is aware, is aware of changes in the environment. If a sound happens, it can create an effect. And that is the deep sleep of consciousness, which is a normal state of awareness. The other normal state of awareness is the state of dreaming. It's also something we go through, all of us naturally, without trying. And that has very important consequences in the body's functioning and healing process and many other aspects. And another way, of course, another aspect of normal states of consciousness is the waking state of consciousness. So we have three usual, we can call them, uh, states of consciousness rather than just normal because normal depends on what is the norm, what is the usual. So it is normal in the sense that this is the norm of the usual states that people go through. Altered states of consciousness are states of consciousness within waking, sleeping, and dreaming, but that are disturbed, that are disturbed by chemicals or disturbed by injury to the nervous system, injury to the physiology, and therefore they are not truly normal, but they are not also on the path of a higher state of consciousness. So they are altered, they could be altered by drugs, they could be altered by disease, by injury to the nervous system, and there you don't have a full value of either sleep or dreaming or waking state. And, you know, they are not what is the normal states of consciousness. Now you have higher states of consciousness, which are normal when we get them, which are not like an abnormality. They're not altered in the sense that they are not disturbed, but they are higher in the sense that awareness broadens. And these awareness broadening experiences are truly part of our reality as we transcend and experience the self more and more. Usually we are not aware of who we are within ourselves, and we experience the objects. Only we try to remember who we are and have a feeling of who we are. But as we experience objects, we get lost in the object of experience. Remember when you look at the flower, you see a flower, you look at the person, you see the person and they become in your consciousness. So your consciousness is taken by these experiences. Whereas if you transcend and go to yourself, you experience a new state of consciousness in which you are awake. And this is described briefly in the first chapter also as the fourth state of consciousness. You are deeply awake within, yet you are very rested. And that is a higher state of consciousness because there you experience the continuity of life. You experience the oneness of and wholeness of life and living. And in this way, you are experiencing something new, which is non-changing. Whereas in daily life and daily experience, everything is changing all the time. So, This is the experience of the absolute reality rather than the relative changing reality. And when this starts becoming established in your life in a more stable, more strong way, then you are going to what we call higher states of consciousness. And these will be discussed also in the book in great detail in further chapters in the book. But this is just an idea because the question has been asked. The question here we have from Evan Finkelstein in the United States. Did Maharishi say no sacrifice, no suffering, no pain was necessary? Yet there are who even meditate, but they feel things and they experience these things. And he also asks if there is chaos in the universe, how come we can think of orderliness? There is also a question about physical matter and energy, about the unified field and why it is called silence. And all of these questions are going to be answered in great detail through the book because these are the fundamental questions. And indeed, they are alluded to in the first chapter because today we are focusing on the first chapter. And they are put there, as we said, as the individual characters of the play, of the story that is in the book. And these characters are going to play their roles and we will see where they come from, how they develop and how they can coexist and how we can overcome those aspects which are not so favorable, which don't give us joy and happiness and get to the position of inner peace and happiness and fullness for ourselves and society. So on the past, there will be things that come to us. Why they come to us, there is a reason. And that is usually based on responsibility, individual responsibility and individual choices and the ability to have freedom, which is another very important player in this story that we have in the story of the book. And so we will put all of these together now that the tensions are created at the beginning the tensions between these characters, which are very opposed to each other. And we will see them play their roles and where they come from, how they emerge and where do they lead us and how can we be masters of them, masters of these aspects and rise above difficulties and pain and create happiness for ourselves and for society. Thank you for tuning into Dr. Tony Nader, the podcast. And if you're interested in learning more from Dr. Nader, please follow him on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube.